Hello, and welcome to episode five of Two Films in a Pod, where married millennials murder movies. I'm Justin. And I'm Carly. This episode is being run by our patron, Katie. As she's one of the, our first ten patrons, she got to choose each movie for the week. Her first choice is Moon, a 2009 sci-fi movie, and next up, she has us watching Punch Drunk Love. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at Two Films Pod, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash twofilmspod. Again, our first ten patrons, no matter what level you choose, will get a chance to run the show for an episode by picking our movies for us. We're watching this on uh, Netflix, the back of the box, or not back of the box really, but Netflix description is, as he nears the end of a lonely three-year stint on the moon base Sarang, astronaut Sam Bell begins to hear and see strange things. It stars Sam Rockwell, Kevin Spacey, Dominic McGilligan, directed by Duncan Jones. So, enjoy the show. Okay, we're back. At 30 minutes and 24 seconds. So far, this is really, really good. I thought it was sort of slow at the start. It is, but in a tense and uncomfortable way. Yeah. And, and it definitely, like, it wasn't, it didn't, like, turn me off. Yeah, yeah. It's It's got a really, really, like, tense vibe to it that carries it through a sort of slow opening. Yeah, but no, it's worth it, and it just got really freaking weird. All right, so spoilers. Um, the, you know, the story is this guy's been on the moon working for some mining company for like three years and he's coming up to the end of his contract. He's got and, two weeks left. Yeah. Two weeks left. His, he's got a wife and child back home waiting on him and he goes out to do his job, which, you know, is like, I guess, monitor the mining machines or whatever. And he winds up getting in a wreck. He wakes up. He, he, he hallucinates. He hallucinates someone out on the, the moon. Oh, I, did, I guess I didn't Yeah, he, he started realize. He started a little bit before that hallucinating. Um, oh, I thought there was some sort of, like, moon storm or something. I didn't know what that was. No, 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 no. And, uh, yeah, he started hallucinating, it, like, a woman or something. And at first he saw her oh, yeah, in the chair. Oh, yeah, Yeah. And then he saw her on top of the, like, mining machine. And so he got into a wreck with the mining machine. He wakes up in the infirmary with his little robot pal. Mm-hmm. And his robot pal seems kind of like the... He's creepy. He, he's creepy, but I, I don't think... Like, okay, so, you know, anytime you have, like, a robot on a space station interacting with somebody, it's going to draw comparisons to uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Never seen it. Oh, well, we're going to have to fix that. Because <laughs> um, this, this movie owes a lot to that movie. Huh. But uh, in any case, I, I don't get the vibe that he's like, as uh, the, the robot is himself nefarious. Um, Maybe it's just because of my personal feelings on Kevin Spacey and he voices the robot, but I'm yeah, calling creep. Help. That doesn't help at all. I'm glad, though, that his character is just a robot, so it's not actually him. So he wakes up in the infirmary with creepy robot kevin spacey like hanging over him and he's clearly uncomfortable he's been uncomfortable the whole movie he's going a little you know uh, cabin fever yeah cabin feverish he basically sort of manipulates the robot into letting him outside even though he's not cleared to go outside yet he winds up going outside going back to the side of the wreck where the 
the car and the miner machine are still wrecked. Mm-hmm. He crawls down into the vehicle that he wrecked in, and he finds his body. His own body. Mm-hmm. And he brings that body back to the um, the little space station there. And he goes and puts him in the infirmary mm-hmm. with, uh, what's his name again? Gertie. Gertie, yeah. Is the robot. And it's like an all-service robot, basically. And Gertie uh, heals up the the body. While the body is is all healed up, though, you have the Sam who discovered this body. And he's also Sam. But you have that Sam walking around with, like... Um, what what are those glasses called? The sunglasses? Aviator. Yeah, with these aviator glasses looking real suspicious. I don't trust this Sam that with the glasses, the one that woke up here first. Mm-hmm. Because you notice when he woke up, he didn't have like any of the mm-hmm. wounds, and this one does. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he's actually there at all. Well, I think like what's going on here is like some obviously some sort of like cloning type operation but maybe the clones are only good for three years and so what was happening to the first sam while he was hallucinating things is he was starting his the clone was starting to wear out and when that happens gertie disposes of the clone because he's a robot well, i mean gertie's bringing him back though i understand that but maybe he has some sort of like do no harm thing no well i don't know i mean i'm assuming i thought that maybe real sam whose body was just found had just been like dreaming about fake Sam and that he's still there in his like hallucination. No, cause state. somebody brought him back. So, Oh yeah. I, I yeah. sort of just didn't question that. So I don't know. This is just crazy. They're two real bodies. My, I, I'm telling you, I think it's, it's going to be like some clone loop that basically this company uses because that's one of the weird things about this. The company logo is everywhere in this movie. I haven't noticed it at all. It's called, like, Lunar Industries. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, this very real-looking logo for this fake company in the movie. And it's everywhere. It's almost in every shot is at least one Hmm. company logo. I'm not very observant tonight, apparently. So, like, the, the, the filmmaker here is really hitting you over the head with this company in sort of the background of the movie. Mm hmm And, um... I think what's what's going what's going to wind up going on here is that they've got some sort of like clone loop going basically where they have cloned this person and somehow or another they program him with memories and all sorts of stuff like that each iteration and the reason that it's a 3 3 year term is that's just how long the OS is good for or whatever it is that you know but it's now we're going to have, like, a there can only be one situation, I feel like. Who knows? Oh, um, man. It, but, I'm like, enjoying it so far, though. Yeah, no, this is really good. But I think the one who got into the wreck uh, here is probably still going to have the same problems, and that might be where the conflict comes from Yeah. between the two of them, is he's still going to be deteriorating, in addition to the fact they both just discovered... They are... Clones. Or yeah. whatever, they are the same mm-hmm. and different and weird. But it's good. Yeah, they're also lying to him. I don't know if you caught that about the state of communications here because he's been griping that he doesn't have long-range communications. He can't Mm -hmm. talk to his loved ones and whatnot. But then when the clone guy here woke up, Mm -hmm. or the second one or whatever, the one who woke up the first time, 
when he woke up, he heard Gertie in there talking live with some of the people from this company. Oh, I thought he said he was just recording a video to send. Hey, that's what he said. Gertie oh, lied. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Gertie, Gertie lied there. Well, he that's was, not a surprise. He's creepy as hell. I think we're going to find out. That we are. All right, we'll get back to it. We're back. At 59 minutes and 34 seconds. I predicted how this movie was going. I predicted that they were clones. That first person, the first Sam that we met, was going to be falling apart. because He's wearing out. Mm-hmm. The, throne, the, the clones have a three-year lifespan, it, it seems. And then they just restart. But he was still in a crash. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're saying he might not be wearing out. It might be from the crash. Or just the fact that the other clone has been generated or released mm-hmm. that now he's no longer good. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess it could be that. Um, or he crashed because he was wearing out. I don't know. But the the robot is still the most fascinating character here to me. This is a very slow movie. Yeah. Carly's not into it. I, it it's, it's got like a lot of potential, I feel, but it's slow. It's, it's more than slow. There was a scene just now that took like a minute and a half too long for one of the clones to tell something super important to the other clone, but he couldn't get the words out because the other clone wouldn't stop playing Walking on Sunshine. That was the most lively part of this movie, and it was bad. <laughs> no, I, I'm digging it. I like it. It's got a very, very heavy, moody sort of vibe, and they still managed to work in some, some funny bits like that. Well, I mean, yeah, like that, it, it was funny, but at the same time, it was irritating. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being irritated while I'm enjoying a movie. I'm irritated a lot in in life. I don't need more. No, I'm still I'm I'm still digging it. Like I'm kind of expecting some other layer to be added on here. Well, God, I hope so because we've got 37 minutes left. And but the robot is definitely oof. the most interesting character because, like yeah, I said is. in the first part, uh, he's definitely. A, He's in conversation with Hal, the robot from 2001 A Space Odyssey. But he doesn't seem to me to be evil. No, yeah, I, I'm there with you now. He just seems robotic. Yeah. Like, he's just doing his job, what he's programmed to do. And maybe I took it, like, creepy from Jump, just because that's sort of a trope with these things, and because it's Kevin Spacey. Yeah, that's fair. But um, I don't... Yeah, I don't think that he that that the robot in this movie, whose name I can't remember now, is Gertie. Gertie, that's it. Yeah, I don't think that he's he. I don't think he's a howl because I don't think he's like actually self aware. I don't think he's actually like artificial intelligence. I think he's a robot that's been programmed to have a personality. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. I don't know if we mentioned this already, but. When he is speaking, the screen shows up with like different um, emoticons, I guess. Like, there's a happy face. For no, they're emojis. Pleas- or emojis. They're- I was trying to think of emoji, but the word I came <laughs> up with is emoticon because it's I'm 2003. ancient. <laughs> I'm still not as old as you. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. When you know he's talking, the screen shows a an emotionally relevant face and stuff like that. So he's definitely programmed to have some sort of personable traits. Which makes sense, because these guys are up here alone for who knows how long with 
nothing but Gertie. But basically the whole time our main character here, Sam, has been living a lie. Like he's got all these fake memories implanted in his head. Oh, yeah. And he's been getting these messages from his wife. That are just like pre-recorded garbage. Uh Which that was one thing that even once it became clear that they were clones, I was like, okay, well, that sucks. Or that the other one was a clone. But I thought that this Sam, who had these memories of his wife and his daughter, was original Sam. And to find out that those were just implanted did make me really sad. No, I've, that was part of my prediction is that they're both just clones. And, like, this is, they've been cloning the same person and implanting him with memories. So how long again. ago was the original Sam there? Not three years, I assume. Mm-mm. I would, it, it would at least, you'd have to think, be a couple of generations to awesome. be able, like, to be able to get it all just right. And so, mm. yeah, like, it's entirely possible that the wife and child that he has been communicating with are dead and have been for a long, long time. And he's just stuck up there on a loop. Maybe even he, maybe Earth doesn't even exist anymore. <gasps> maybe all the people on Earth are dead. And he's just doing this job forever and ever, waking up, <laughs> working for three years. Well, thank you for this, dying. Katie. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to go cry now for a really long time. I'm done. <laughs> This is good. I like it. I mean, it's this. Like I said, it's the story is good. The whole plot is good. It's the delivery that is poor. Hard disagree. I'm liking well, it a lot. I'm giving it a. And it's got such three a three out of ten. It's got such a minimal soundtrack too. I really like when they bring in the theme because it like that theme has punch because it's got such a minimal soundtrack. Like. Eh. Most of it is, like, natural sound. No, I mean, it is very quiet. Mm -hmm. Very quiet. Like, it does feel, it helps you to feel as isolated as the Sams have all apparently been. it's it's moody, right? Like It it, is, but, like, that, I I need to be in a movie, or in a movie, in a mood for this type of shit. I'm just not. Well. I'm sorry. I do like things, obviously. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I would need to be in a in a mood that I'm not in. Well, we'll see if the last 40 minutes of this movie can get Carly in the mood for this movie, since Carly <laughs> is so particular. I'm not that particular. I My favorite movie, one of them, is The Wedding Singer. Oh. Okay. Adam Sandler's uh, finest, most shiny moment. Don't say his name. Not in this house. In this house, we do not respect Adam Sandler. Not in my Frigidaire. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll be back. Wait, did we say the time? I did at the beginning. All right. <laughs> hello, hello. We're back. And it's over. Yeah, that was really, really good. I got around to enjoying it in the last 40 minutes. I still think that it could have been done in a 30 to 45 minute mini movie situation. It could have been an episode of Black Mirror. That's exactly what I was thinking when we finished. Yeah, it could have been an episode of Black Mirror, particularly sort of the way that it wrapped up at the end. It was all a little too perfect. You know what I mean? And it it just went like so fast for how slow Mm -hmm. the whole rest of the movie was. So basically, 
you know, uh, what wound up happening is, um, you know, as we stated last time, they are clones. And uh, the original Sam that you open the movie with gets into this enormous wreck. And uh, the robot person, Gertie, yeah. uh, I guess just assumes that they're dead and so wakes up the next Sam. But then the next Sam kind of goes off, you know, range a little bit. And, and finds find the other original Sam. Well, no, that, this isn't the original Sam. Well, not the original Sam, Sam no. The, the one w- that we met first. Yeah, the one that we start the movie with. Who is with. a clone as well, though. Yeah. And so they very quickly figure out they're clones of each other. And um, and they're both actually really chill about it. Like, Yeah, they do have one big fight. Yeah, and but I mean, like, that. I'm telling you, this is moon version of Step Brothers in a way. It kind of is. You turned out this be right about that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the older, decaying sort of Sam clone, he, and that's what it was. Like he was decaying. Um, yeah, like his teeth were falling out, mm-hmm. and it was, he was doing very poorly by the end. He winds up. Uh, younger clone comes up with a plan to wake up yet another clone that they will murder and put in older clones like spot back on the wreck because there's a, a quote unquote rescue team coming, right? Which is actually just like the cleanup crew, mm-hmm. but they were planning right to send older clone to Earth. Mm-hmm. But older clone is again doing quite poorly, vomiting blood. Yeah, like coming out of everywhere, blowing his nose, and it just being nothing but mm-hmm. blood in the tissue. It was graphic. And uh, so what they decide to do is older Sam clone sacrifices himself, but not before he goes again off range and just uh, is able to get far enough away from this isolated little moon base that he can actually make a real life call to Earth. And he discovers that his uh, his wife his wife has died. Her name was Tess. Yeah, some years before, his daughter who is, he thought was what like three, not even like two. Yeah, maybe is fifteen, yeah. and that the original Sam is there. Maybe the original. We have no way of knowing. Well, no, it said original Sam on the subtitles. Oh, okay. So, like, I'm assuming it's meant to... Because that would be an unnecessary complication. Yeah. Um, so, basically, what you have to assume is either that the original Sam did do the original three-year mission, and they just kept his genetic information. Yeah, I'm assuming, especially the way it ended, mm-hmm. that, like, he didn't sign off on that. Which I think it would have been more interesting if he did. But, um, but either way, the way it ends is essentially the second clone of sam is the one who launches himself back to earth because what they're doing there is they're they're mining helium 3 which they then send back to earth on these little rockets they send the helium 3 back to earth on little rockets that have for some reason like a small amount of space just enough for a grown man to fit into conveniently conveniently so older clone sam goes back to his wrecked vehicle and dies younger clone sam escapes back to earth to tell the story and he's featured on talk radio mm -hmm. at the very end yeah um and the third clone of sam that they were going to originally murder winds up being there when the rescue team gets there and everything is sort of just restarted yeah basically yeah my only real problem with it still is that i just don't understand why they did give the implanted memories and stuff to the clones to make it that much harder. Like, why not just let them be 
clones. Be aware that they are simply clones, and they are simply there to do a job, much like a robot. It did, I, that I mean, wasn't fleshed out well to me. They're clones of, of people, though, which means that they are people. And, like, no human being is going to be okay with waking up one day and being like... Well, yeah, well okay, yeah, I get that. So why not just make them robots? Well, maybe the robots can't... Uh, well, Gertie we, does look pretty ancient. He does, but, I mean, let's assume... I mean, there, there's a thousand possible explanations for that. Like, robot technology is not yet sufficiently tactile, maybe. So maybe it's the hands, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they can't quite... Because Gertie is clearly... No, he, he's not just a... He, he is AI. Like, he has some sort of friendly AI going yeah, on. Yeah, like, he turned out to be a big help. He offered mm-hmm. and allowed for the... The second Sam we meet, who goes back to Earth, he allowed him to reboot mm-hmm. himself so that the people coming for the quote-unquote rescue wouldn't um, be able to go through his cache and see all of the recorded footage of uh-huh. this plan. So Gertie had a heart. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's, he's like, super intelligent, though. Like, he, no. he's, he's, he's got enough going on. That he's at least as intelligent as, like, your average person. Like, I think he's capable, mm-hmm. basically, of forming attachments and, mm-hmm. like, knowing right from wrong. But I don't think he's, like, like Mega Mondo intelligence like Hal from 2001 is. Uh, and so, maybe, they, like I said, maybe they're not, their advanced sort of computation or reasoning skills are not yeah. sufficiently advanced. There's any number of reasons they could prefer to have a human. But, like, particularly the way that it ends is basically Guy goes back to Earth and you the, the sort of closing is are these voiceovers of people on Earth reacting and they talk about the company whose stock has dropped, you know, 32% since the accusations. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's, like, some parody of, like, conservative talk radios, like, well, either he's a liar or he's an he's illegal immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which I, I thought that was a little tacky, to be honest. I mean, like, uh... It was just really poorly delivered, I yeah. felt like. I think it was awkward at the end. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you get, you know, it's clear that he's gone back. He's gotten sort of his revenge in a certain very slight sense. That he's. You, you know, don't really get to see any yeah. of it, but it, it leaves you with the idea. That he's brought some justice to the situation. And then it ends. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think it could have been an episode of, like you said, Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the last 40 minutes. I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it had really good mood and like, um, I still think that the way it was scored was really cool. Did you notice that when they went into like the, the basement area where they keep all the Sams that it was nursery music? No. Yeah. The score was kind of a weird nursery music. Um, and I thought, yeah, I think that's probably the best part about it. That and the, that they use practical effects. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like they, there's nothing about it that looked like fake. I mean, it it did, but not in like a CG way. Yeah, like for most of the moon sets, like outside, actually on the moonscape, that you can tell they use miniature, miniatures, like old school like sci-fi those little rovers style. or mm-hmm. toy rovers and, mm-hmm. but it was done well it didn't look like cheap or something it looked no good. it's just one well like she didn't notice like pointed it out to her and then she's like oh yeah, they are. and then that just made it like cool yeah so. uh yeah definitely that was one cool thing about it the way that it was scored was cool yeah. uh the character was done well i felt like 
I take back my um, sarcastic thank you to Katie. It turned out all right. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Um, so on the next half of the episode, we're still <sighs> under the influence. Punch drunk love. Under the influence of dear Katie. Uh, we will be watching an Adam Sandler movie. We will. Um, that one, I don't know if we mentioned, I'm pretty sure we did, but just in case, this last one, Moon, is on Netflix, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to be watching Punch Drunk Love as a three ninety nine rental on Amazon. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh... In case you two want to watch. Which, you know, I don't know why anyone would choose to watch an Adam Sandler movie, but... Maybe they have a podcast doing exactly what we do, and Katie is a fan, and she just really wants to get this movie out there. <laughs> that's her goal. Well, if that's her goal, she's doing a really horrible job because uh, this movie only has two and a half stars on Amazon. Um, The back of the box description is Barry Egan, which is Adam Sandler, the owner of a struggling vanity plungers company, falls in love with Lena Leonard, played by Emily Watson, a woman his sister is trying to set him up with. On the run from a gang of thugs... Barry travels to Hawaii using the frequent flyer mile coupons clipped from several cartons of pudding cups to meet up with the girl of his dreams. Well. What the fuck? (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. What year was this one done? 2002. So not only is it an Adam Sandler movie, not only... But it's an early 2000s Adam Sandler. It's a it's an early 2000s movie, which is an era of Hollywood I just generally have sort of an aversion to. But, uh, you know, we committed to this. We did. And we're going to see this through because we're good people. We are. And uh, we're going to get started. We'll be right back. Woo! We're back. We're at 29 minutes and 25 seconds. And I am depressed. I'm just very uncomfortable on so many levels. This movie is not only odd, but it's making... Like, I'm I'm feeling personally attacked by it because of, like, (laughs) how awkward Adam Sandler, Barry, Barry is his name in this... He's really, really awkward. He goes to this dinner party, and the way he's behaving, I feel like I know that I don't act like that awkward and off. I'm pretty sure it is, I hope. <laughs> but that is what I feel like <laughs> I come off to people as, even to, like, the parts where he messes up his words and says, like, food instead of good or back instead of jack. Like, I do that when I get nervous. Um, I'm, It's just I'm very tense now. <laughs> Well, all right, so what's going on here is is Barry, Adam Sandler's character, he's a small business owner, uh, backbone of the economy. Um, he works in, like, some kind of weird warehouse where they make luxury plungers, plungers for toilets, which I think that was actually in the description. They call, um, they call them the fungers, though. Yeah, they call them fungers because they're <laughs> fun plungers. And they're, like, these weird little, like, 
tacky kind of commodities, like... For the, hotels and yeah, stuff to, like, buy in bulk. Yeah, they have, like, see-through glass handles with, like, shit inside them, or, like, on the end of the handle, like, they have dice, and they market them to, like, you know, Las Vegas casinos and, and shit like that. I mean, they're exactly what the name implies. They're fun plungers. Yeah. And, um... Barry here has decided that he wants to see uh, uh, a psychiatrist. I don't know how we wound up on the phone with, like, he like a phone sex service. was clipping the coupons because at the grocery store he found that if he bought a certain amount of Healthy Choice products, he would get more um, airplane travel miles. Frequent flyer miles. Frequent, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't yeah, travel, I don't obviously. Fuck that shit. I don't use that shit. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so he's clipping his coupons to get his frequent flyer. His coupons. Coupons. Anyways. He's doing that, and he notices beneath the the coupon page, there's an ad that's like, are you ready for an intimate relationship? Call this place that got his credit card number, his home address, and his social security number. And then put him on the phone. With Georgia. With Georgia. And uh, yeah. Georgia is trying to draw him out of, like, his sexual shell. But that shell's thick. And, and he's not coming out. And this is so unnervingly... I just... I, I don't want to be watching this, Katie. I don't know what we did to you. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. We're or good, what, what kind of people. stuff are you into? <laughs> you know, whatever floats your boat. But you should warn a person before you just... You know, throw this at him. <laughs> Goodness. But, like, it's it's not, like, so far, really, not much has happened. Like, it's, you know, it's very, very low plot here. But, like, what makes this really uncomfortable is the some of the camera work. Yeah. And, like, it's, like the scoring and stuff. Mm-hmm. They have, like, certain repetitive tones mm-hmm. that just, it's sort of like an alarm going off, but muffled in the distant background. Mm-hmm. And the camera will get, like, it'll kind of tilt uncomfortably, but, like, it'll be shaky while it does it. Like, someone is walking around with this high-quality camera. And and that one scene transition that was just the colors mm-hmm. that were, like, melted crayons, I don't know what's happening. It's yeah. starting to make me question, like, what I'm seeing here. Yeah. I get the impression that, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like this is another one of those situations where I have to look up, uh, like, who made this film and, like, what else they've done. Kind of similar when we watched Brothers Grimm, because it seems like there's something, there's, like, an aesthetic going on here. Yeah, and I mean, we only thought Brothers Grimm was weird. Mm-hmm. That was... I uh, know, I still think that was weird. I mean, it was this, weird. To be no, honest it's with not you. weirder than, are you kidding me? Yeah, but a He lot took of... a hammer to the windows. Yeah, at, at, at the party at his sister's house, um, he he just randomly interrupted the dinner table conversation by jumping out and smashing the, their their plate glass doors with uh, a hammer. <laughs> or no, he did kick them. He kicked them in. Oh yeah, they were telling a story about how he'd mm-hmm. done that as a child with a hammer. But to be fair, all seven of his sisters are horrible human beings, mm-hmm. and. They all talk at the same time, and they're rude. They're so mean to him, specifically. Like, I wouldn't have dinner with any of them. Yeah, I can see why he was reluctant to go. But no, I don't feel like this is weirder than Brothers Grimm. Because, like, a lot of the, you know, the things that are uncomfortable about this are pretty well established in, like, more artsy movies. 
And like the the weird thing about it is is doing this in an Adam Sandler movie, which you know Adam Sandler from time to time and more so recently. Yeah, he's done some weird does stuff. does serious more serious movies, and I get the impression that this is one of those, which is very different from the impression I have with the canon. I thought this was going to be a you know run of the mill Adam Sandler. I thought rom-com. it was like a rom yeah rom com exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know how I didn't know. Mm-hmm. What we were stepping mm-hmm. into no, here. I had no idea. And, like, yeah, I haven't decided whether or not I like it. I am just very caught off guard by the material. Yeah. I'm definitely, like, I'm not bored with it at all. Yeah. I am actively watching. There has been, like, no scrolling through my phone out of, like, being bored for a minute looking stuff up. Like, I'm... I'm invested, and I have a feeling that I'm just going to be disappointed and confused still at the end. Like, I'm going to need to look up a scholarly paper of some description (laughs) on this to be able to figure out what just happened to me. Yeah. No, I... I I don't know. This is... This movie's bonkers. But not in the same way that, like, Brothers Grimm was. Like, Brothers Grimm was a mistake... This was, there's all kinds of intention going on This is an experiment. Yeah, there's there's a lot of very purposeful things happening. And I don't know if it's going to turn out well, but whatever it is they're (laughs) doing, they're doing it on purpose. And and we'll find out soon, I guess. I hope, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We are, well, we didn't say where we were. I did. Oh. 29 minutes and 25 seconds once again. It will be in the show notes. literally the worst memory You just don't listen to me. I do listen. Okay. I just have a bad memory. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to get back to it. And we're back. At 57 minutes and 51 seconds. All right. So, uh, one of the things that we forgot to mention when we were sort of catching you up on the last bit was that at the very beginning of the movie, he finds a harmonium. He doesn't find it. Yeah, it gets dropped <laughs> off in the middle of the road and he picks it up. After a, a horrendous like car-flipping wreck. Oh, yeah. Single vehicle that. accident, the, which I guess this piano or whatever it is falls out of the vehicle. No, and then no, it no, just no. drives away? No, no, no. There's the single car wreck, which happens and then it's like it never happened. Um... And then some truck pulls up and drops off oh, okay. the I, harmonium. There was a lot going on. Yeah. And so he, he grabs it. And um, I'm not exactly sure what the relevance to the plot is yet. But I feel like because it's like the very first thing that happens in the movie that we needed to make note of it. Right. And it does keep coming up at various points. People asking him why it's in his office and so on. But um, so far here... Um, We've already talked about how he, how he bought all the pudding. Yeah, for the, for the frequent flyer miles. Yeah, yeah. And now he has met uh, this woman that his sister wanted to hook him up with. It turns out he had met her at the very beginning of the film because she came to drop off her car at the auto body shop next to his business. But she didn't really. She had seen a picture of him in her friend's house and her friend being er, at- she had seen a picture of him at his sister's office. Yeah. They worked together. Oh, okay. And then she said she saw the picture. She liked, I guess, the way he looked. And so she... She stalked it. Yeah. <laughs> and freely admits this on their first already reluctant date. Uh-huh. And 
he then like goes to the bathroom for some reason. I can't remember why. She she is talking to him over dinner, and she was like, "Oh, your sisters told me this hilarious story Mm. about you freaking out and hitting the window with a, a hammer, and that just sets him off." So he goes to the bathroom in the restaurant. And just tears it apart. Mm-hmm. And so then he gets thrown out of the restaurant. She goes with him. He takes her back to her apartment. Uh, they, She's about to go on like some trip to Hawaii. And I'm assuming he's going to put these frequent flyer mile coupons to good use. And meet her there for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's willing to do that. He's already said like he doesn't travel. And the whole situation behind him buying all of this pudding for the frequent flyer miles is because um he says it's basically like currency and um he's getting a deal or he's actually like cheating the system somehow by scanning the individual barcodes on what it comes in like a six pack of these puddings but they all have individual barcodes so he's getting all of them for like 90 cents or so instead of what it would actually cost and he thinks that this is a big scheme and it's going to make him rich or something he never says it's going to make him rich. I can't remember for sure because, like, frequent flyer miles are not really, like, a major concern in the world of 2018. In no, the way I've that, never even really gotten the point of this. Um, but, like, they they were back then. They were a huge feature that, like, a lot of credit cards had and, and like, stuff like that. they still have those. No, they do, but, like... They're just not the selling point they used to be. Mm. Like, you, you'll still see them on, like, random Capital One commercials and shit like that. But they're not nearly, like, the feature that they used to be. But I think you could at some point, and maybe you still can, and I don't know for sure, because I've never fucked with it. Uh, I think you could at some point actually sell them back. Uh, I've not, never heard of that. Not for full value. I th- I'm pretty sure I remember, like, a free. I thought that that was just, thing. like, a point here of, like, how he's a little out there and... I don't fucking know. Okay. Probably. Anyway, um, this is this is like described as a rom com. So he's going to Hawaii. I like. I understand oh, he's I got guess. a problem, like with traveling or whatever, and he's clearly reluctant. But like, th- that's where that's where this is going. This is going to Hawaii. Now, this as rom coms go, this is this isn't out there. Rom-com. This is not my favorite. But this is a a Paul Thomas Anderson film. And he is the person who uh, did Boogie Nights, did Magnolia, did There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he does some out there things. Yeah, he, he is like your filmmaker's filmmaker, which is already, it's just so strange. I mean, like, the thing about it is Adam Sandler is actually a better actor than he gets credit for. Yeah, like, this movie is mm-hmm. all over the place. I can't, like, I'm not really enjoying it, but he's doing a phenomenal job. Like he's he's extraordinarily, it yeah, he's extraordinarily well cast here, and he's doing a really good job with it. And and Adam Sandler is just a good actor. It's his. I don't know if it's his brand of comedy or if it's just he takes bad movies or doesn't know maybe what a good movie looks like, like intuitively or something. I want you know like a script or something like that. But um, in, in any case, he's a great actor and he's really really well cast here. And anyway, he's. But, I mean, this is definitely a, a sort of <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson rom-com. <laughs> like, it, it's all over the place. And um, I feel like some of this this stuff in the score, right? Because we've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. The score is kind of all over the place. A lot of it is on a hormone, harmonium. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. A lot of those random sounds, those sort of, like, discordant sounds, 
are uh, sound at least, like they might be on a harmonium. So I, I really, I suspect that this this little baby piano is going to... It's got to. I mean, unless this is going to be one of those movies where there's actually no point to any of it, then there has got to be something going on well, with I this mean, thing. But really, if you if you step back out of it, right? Step back out of the strangeness of, of the way that it's put together and whatnot, and actually look at the flow here. Mm-hmm. It is just a standard rom-com. Yeah, it's just, I get that. It's just so uncomfortable. Like, there are so many mm-hmm. scenes where everyone's talking at one time, and he's also got the stressful stuff going on top of it, and I need some sort of, like, antihistamine at the very least to calm myself right now. <laughs> Carly's really struggling with it, which I kind of understand. Like, uh, there's a lot of points. Like, when he was, oh, when he was running through her apartment complex, because here's what happened. He took her back home, right? And they had sort of an awkward parting. It's very clear they're both into each other. And he's on his way you know, out of the building, he passes by the front desk. She calls the front desk to say that she really would have liked to have kissed him. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, of course, goes charging back up the, you know, like through the apartment complex, trying to find her door, and he's he's lost. That was so stressful. Yeah, because like, it was huh. like being lost in a maze sort of mm-hmm. situation. Like, there's just so much about this that I've been like grinding my teeth because I'm just so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not handling this well. I haven't decided if I liked it or not. I, I don't feel like I'm going to know if I like this until probably like three or four days after we Yeah, I was going to say weeks it. from now. Yeah. But um, it wasn't what I was expecting. I'll give it that. No, not at all. I was expecting like a 51st date style Adam I was literally Sandler. thinking like the image I had in my head was Adam Sandler and some actress on a beach sipping drinks out of coconut shells or coconut husks or whatever they're called Mm -hmm. that is not this with him like randomly looking off camera and going (laughs) yeah yeah that too that would have been very adam sandler way so we were wrong is what we're saying yeah we were we were quite fucking mistaken yeah i don't know you have any thoughts um i'm ready for it to be over now (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Fortunately, this is not like most of Paul Thomas Anderson's films, where it's 19 hours long. Thank goodness. Until we get to the part where we watch There Will Be Blood for this show, and it's like a 19-hour movie. And uh, well, Is it going to be this, like, anxiety-inducing? Uh, no. This is, this is a bit... This one is a bit different, both aesthetically and in some of the, like decisions he's made with the camera and stuff like that than most of his movies and then there will be blood is kind of a bit different than a lot of his movies too but not in the same way that this one is no there i mean you can tell that it's yeah i suppose it's probably not impossible to tell that the same director made them without knowing it they are quite different from each other there will be blood is stressful and it's got some stressful moments but it's not i don't recall it being like intentionally Right. Off-putting. And, like, this kind of stress here is just, like, that everyday mm-hmm. normal stuff. It's, like, there's nothing unbelievable. I mean, there's a lot of unbelievable stuff going on here. But the stuff that is stressing me out is, like, all of the people talking and yelling at one time. Mm-hmm. And when it's already this chaotic scene and it's being shot where it's the adding to the chaos. It's, yeah, the camera's almost constantly in motion, but not in, like, that found footage sort of way. Just in, like, sort of a... Like I'm like a I'm just trying to give you a panic attack way. Yeah, is how I see it. Yeah, like the movie is shot in such a way so so as to make it impossible for you to watch it comfortably. Mm-hmm. And that can be interesting. And obviously, he's a very well respected director. But like, 
it can also be a bit of a gimmick and not a nice gimmick. So that's sort of what I'm holding on for here is to figure out whether or not I feel like this was more gimmick than art. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we've got uh, about 40 minutes left. Then we'll be done. We'll be done. Yep. All right. Again, we are at 57 minutes, 51 seconds. We'll be back. And we're back. And it's over. Yep, it's over. Uh, I don't know. Like, it was interesting. It, you know, but I just don't think this really works for a rom-com. No, not at least in the traditional way that mm-hmm. I see it. Like, it, it had a whole lot going on. Like, a, I mean, like like I said, it was it's very intentionally made to make you sort of uncomfortable. It's just very unsettling. Mm-hmm. And kind of feel uh, Barry, Adam Sandler's character, stress through the whole thing and kind of like his his day-to-day interactions with just the normal world. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like camera angles and, and sort of perspective tricks and stuff like that to... Moody music and yeah, such. like confusing music, people talking over each other, that sort of thing. Music that's just like two notches too loud. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of mixes where it's like almost at the same level as the dialogue. But um, what's happened since we came back? Oh, gosh, where did we leave off um, last time? Shit, I don't know, but he went to Hawaii. Yeah, okay, yeah, he did. He ended up going, I think, mostly to escape his problems mm-hmm. with the Would-be people identity threatening him. Whatever. Yeah, and uh, his, his pudding thing didn't work, though, because it takes six to eight weeks to process the... Um, the claim for... Yeah, like the coupons or whatever. Almost. So he just takes off and meets up with his love interest anyhow. Mm-hmm. After giving the three people who came to shake him down $500 from the ATM. Oh, yeah. And uh, and he ran away from them, and that was all very stressful. He then winds up going to Hawaii where he meets his love interest. They hook up in Hawaii and have a great time. <laughs> Strange a time. Very, very uncomfortable sort of sex scene. Where they talk about, like, scooping each other's eyes out and eating them. Yeah, oh. and um, he says he, he's like, I'm looking at your face, and I just want to smash it. I just want to smash it with a sledgehammer. It's so pretty, I want to smash it yeah. with a hammer. And then they're both, like, agreeing on this. They're like, this is good. Okay. This is fine. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> and they go back home together, and as they're pulling into the driveway, the people show back up and like ram his car she has to go to the hospital but not before what i assumed was sort of like a dream sequence like a daydreaming sequence where barry imagines he's a badass but no in actual fact he gets out of the car uh one the first guy comes at him with a tire iron he punches the dude like out flat grabs the tire iron takes the tire iron hits the other guy in the face it goes back around to the truck smashes it up a little bit hands the tire iron back to the other guy and then takes woman to the hospital mm-hmm. where Lena he then, is her name oh uh, Lena takes her to the hospital leaves her there to go get on the phone with the ringleader of this whole uh, identity theft sex line yeah and it's uh it's uh what's his name oh man uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman Philip Seymour Hoffman which for the first time he popped up on the screen I got really sad yeah I, I, every single time mm-hmm. I think about that man I get really sad now yeah 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 
Yeah, and, and they, like, yell at each other for a little while. And um, then Barry goes back to the hospital. Turns out Lena's been discharged, and he, he missed her. So he just up and goes to Utah, where this criminal outfit is. Hiding inside a mattress company. Mm-hmm. And he basically, like, stares down Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and says, uh... <laughs> Say that that's it, then, after he gives the speech about, like, you're not fucking with me anymore, basically. Well, he says, he says, I'm, I have so much strength in me. Yeah. I have love in my life now, and that makes me so strong. You don't even know. And so say that's that before I beat the hell out of you. And some pal, Philip Seymour Hoffman, is like, Okay. All right, asshole. That's that. Yeah. But then he does that one. Uh-huh. He tries as um, Barry, played by Adam Sandler, is walking out. Philip Seymour Hoffman decides to like buck up again and says uh, something like, "Yeah, get out of here, you pervert!" And Barry turns back around and was like, "What did I say?" And so then, as he's skulking back away very quickly, Philip Seymour Hoffman again goes, "That's that," <laughs> and it's. That's that. And that is that. He yep. goes back. He finds Lena. He makes this spiel to her about, you know, like he apologizes for abandoning her at the hospital. Confesses about this situation mm-hmm. that he's been in. Mm-hmm. And says if she'll just give him, because she travels a lot for work, and if she'll just give him the six to eight weeks. Yeah, for his pudding cups to go through. That that was touching. Like There were some elements of this that were touching, and there were some places that they that they were able to insert some humor. Yeah. But overall. I could have done without the sisters existing, though. Because really, well, like, that didn't add much for me. It just made it more stressful. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like they, they that the sisters are really accomplishing much. I mean, they give a little bit of an understanding for why Barry is so angry. You could have accomplished that with just the one mm-hmm. infuriating sister that is featured more than any of the mm-hmm. others. She, they're all just horrible to him. They call him names that I'm not even going to repeat because I'm not comfortable saying them. Yeah. It, it's, oh, they were terrible. Yeah, they, like, we were talking about this a little bit, um, like, while we weren't recording, and like this was made in 2002 and so like a lot of the things that they call him are ableist and i feel like in 2002 might not have punched quite as hard as they do today right and that's what i was kind of Mm -hmm. like i while i was watching and while they were like like they call him the r word at some point like as an insult and i thought because i forgot that this for a second was in 2002 and i was like okay they're just trying to make this like physically uncomfortable for people but then realizing it was 2002 i mean it not it that it was not any nice, less yeah. of an unkind thing to say or a just unacceptable thing to say but i think now like 2018 it's much more like the consciousness of that has seeped more into into yeah. the general culture and like so accidentally perhaps maybe not because it wasn't a nice thing to say even then but like accidentally perhaps like these sisters in retrospect go from being like okay you're pushing it too far big sisters to now like like, they're just rotten sold people yeah like they're horrible sisters and but they i mean even even still removing that sort of context they're still like just sort of horrible like they just talk to him horribly they talk about him horribly when they are talking to him they barely let him speak when because they're just berating him constantly like why are you doing this? What did you do that for? But why blah blah blah. It's just they don't stop to let him answer any of these questions and they just 
gang up on him. And so basically, like, what the only thing they're really doing in this movie, other than the one sister sort of being the the point at which Lena and Barry intersect. Yeah. Um, the other ones were just unnecessary. All they're all they're really doing is providing context for why Barry's got such a bad fucking temper. And he does. Like, he demolished a bathroom. He, like... But he has anger mm-hmm. problems, but I think a lot of them stem from being raised with this horrible group of siblings. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, I think, I think that's what they're trying to get at. Right. Is that, like, that's a big, big part of all of this anger that turns him in randomly into, like, fucking Jason Bourne at yeah, the end of this movie. Yeah, he's super, like, as he says, he's got this strength. Mm-hmm. And he does. It's remarkable. And But, yeah, so he goes back to, to Lena's apartment, and he's like, if you'll just give me the six to eight weeks. <laughs> and, like, that was genuinely cute and touching, and it gave a reason for the pudding cups to be there. They never, I mean, he brought that, the harmonium with him, but it didn't really have a point. No. I kept expecting it to have a point. Maybe we'll Google something about it later, and it'll be like, actually, this serves as some sort of device for this thing, but well, yeah, I don't get those things There's offhand. There's, like, a lot of different angles. I mean, this 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 kind of movie is sort of just, like, you know, film criticism bait. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you wanted to sit down with, like, my intro to critical theory textbook. I don't. No, I know you don't, but <laughs> so. I, I love doing that kind of shit. But, like, if... If I wanted to sit down with my intro to critical theory textbook and really dissect this movie, you can probably produce a lot of material with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's an enjoyable watch. No. And But I really, just on the sort of scale of did I enjoy it on a first watch? No, not really. No. Like, even with how... Like, I didn't thoroughly enjoy Moon, but I would have, like I said, I would have if it had been an episode of a show. Because there was a lot of extraneous stuff that I felt like they could have cut out to get to the point and still been done well. That one this week for me. Well, I, I definitely actually still like Moon. Like, I'm, I'm with you. There's a lot of things they could have cut that would have made it more appropriate as, like, an episode of Black Mirror. Either way, I still enjoyed the, the whole thing. This one, I didn't hate it. You know, it wasn't like, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, fucking... Uh, Lim is. Or Grimm's. Grimm. That's the one I'm thinking of. Brothers Grimm. I like that one I hated and I didn't hate this one but I just felt like at least like I said on the first watch it's not you know on this on just on the level of did I enjoy this no yeah that's gonna be a no and I don't like I mean I guess obviously there are people who do but I don't enjoy like a movie where on the first watch you're like oh this is bad but then you look into like this actual like legitimate scholarly critique of it to, to have to appreciate it on your second watch like I just I, well, no, that's, that. that's not what I mean like sometimes you know like any sort of work of art can can be one of those that just takes a watch or two or a read or two or whatever yeah I have had books that way yeah. but they're typically separated like each read mm-hmm. has been separated by years and a lot of personal growth sure so yeah, yeah I like I mean, that's how I was with uh, Jane Austen. I had that class yeah. this semester. Like, the first time I tried to read Pride and Prejudice when I was in high school, I fucking hated it. I don't think I made it through 60 pages. But, um, you know, this time around, I was determined to sort of take it. And you know, high school was however many years ago for me at this point. 13 years ago. Good but, <laughs> 10 years for you. Shut okay, up. Okay, and that's not 13, oh. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, and I was determined to take it a bit more seriously at 31. <laughs> And I enjoyed it. And this might be one of those, for all I know. 
just, I'm not going to watch it again, probably. Yeah, just on the scale of, like, had I gone to see this in, th- in the theater, I would have been like, nah, man. I'd have like, been mad had I gone and sat in a theater and paid however much money a movie ticket was in 2002. Like, probably, like, three bucks. Nah, There's re- no way. Nah, it, this it's probably, like, like five. The... It's probably, like, five dollars. Really? Yeah, something like that. I don't know Inflation. about, like, at night. You know, like, evening showing, but, like, a matinee for sure is, like, oh, yeah. three to five bucks. Anyways, this does make me really, really ready for next week, where we're kind of... Like, last week we did the, um... New to Me and New You. New to Me and You, and this week we're doing the, um, Katie's episode. And then next week we're gonna get back to, like, our normal sort of situation, where I'm going to be picking... I'm really gonna try for my Olsen movie one because we're we're doing like a 90s or 80s slash 90s children's movies that we loved. So I want to do an Olsen one if I can actually get one. If not, I'll come up with something else in that same vein. And I am not gonna do another Godzilla movie. I promise. No. Um, but I really we almost made it one episode without you mentioning Godzilla. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, uh, that that's actually the bar for uh, quality cinema to me. But anyway, <laughs> what I'm probably like, what I want to do is I want to get one of those really bad sort of knockoff Conan movies from the late '80s, early oh, '90s. Oh God! Uh, like either Masters of the Universe, Beastmaster, any number of of those with just like you know medium haired white dudes running around with their shirts off and they're like all gross and whatnot failing the ability to find one of those more obscure ones then we are just if there is a god conan oh no 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 i take it back (laughs) um but there are so many movies that i haven't seen i just feel like you could you could there's so much more you could work with if you're gonna put me through an olsen twins movie then i'm gonna put you through fine that's fair even though those are classics and wonderful I mean, like, I could, I thought originally about doing, like, Homeward Bound, but see, I know she would like that, and if I'm going to sit through an Olsen <laughs> Twins movie, then she's going to sit through okay, something Okay, but miserable. you did enjoy Still Magnolias and then subject me to Mothra versus Godzilla. Which is, that's not subjecting. It that was. was. a favor. You, you are such a wonderful person. You oh, literally, we're doing it again. You literally deserved that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's what we're going to do. For next week. Yeah, try to find shit, but can't tell you what we're going to do. Well, yeah, but the, the basic theme is going to be, like, children-appropriate movies from when we were children. And I don't know if Conan is children-appropriate, but I did watch it as oh, a child, so... Well, oh, maybe we just can't do Conan. Oh. Shuckins. Okay. We'll have to do Masters of the Universe. Anyway, to wrap this up, do you want to do our follow us here uh, there thing? Yeah, uh, if you like the show... Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It helps a whole bunch. It really does. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Two Films Pod. I now run the Twitter. Yes, because so, I don't uh, tweet. Big content. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. Anyway, we're also on Instagram at Two Films Pod and Facebook at Two Films and Pod. We also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash twofilmspot if you would like to support us and helping us with our movie rentals. Yep. One or two dollars. It will, like, pay for basically movies for us to keep doing this show because if it's not on Netflix, it's kind of hard to fucking find these movies sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, thanks for watching, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye.